everybody and welcome back to another episode of Hell's Bows. I'm Kat Ellinger and with me is my wonderful co-pilot Heather Drain. Hello, hello. And we're here to do something a little bit different today because it is Women in Horror Month and we'll go into that whole thing. This isn't a Women in Horror venture. No. Just so we can... Far from <laughs> It's it. just because, yeah, there's been a lot of discussion, at, and there always is around this time of year because of women in horror, about female representation and women writing in the genre and all that sort of thing. And so, wow, it was actually Heather's idea. She thought that, you know, we could talk about our own experiences and some of our feminist icons and talk all about all the the experiences we've had writing in genre film so you thought it'd be a bit fun and probably a bit angry down the line and <laughs> see how <laughs> see how it goes uh absolutely no this is um this is something that because uh, i mean as anybody listening as cat and i have been writers in the field for several years and so we have we have seen a lot we have heard a lot we have read a lot and mm. we are we are a bit kind of like the the psychic vet was it the psychic veterans the veterans of the psychic wars like that blue oyster cult song but um which i love boc but uh but yeah and um and i think we both i uh, not just you know just speak for you cat but i think we both have always gotten those questions from people being like what's it like being a woman writing in a male kind of dominated field because we both write about horror and art house and um, classic adult and all of these fields are typically well film writing in general has always been very very um sausage heavy sausage heavy i love it (laughs) (laughs) it is i mean it's obviously you know Oh, how to put this? I, I'm I'm not going to be very diplomatic on this episode, so um, I'm not out to necessarily offend anyone, and I don't really want to have to apologise. But I hope people take things in in a good spirit. <laughs> you know, my heart's in a good place. Um, but I wanted to start off by saying uh, I'm known on social media, well, especially Facebook, because I don't understand Twitter for being quite vocal about my experiences. And I often get a lot of, I was going to say people, but I'll say guys, because it's guys, who will come in with this, but you get a lot of work and, you know, you should just be happy and why are you moaning and blah, blah, blah. So I wanted to start off this episode by saying, I I realise how incredibly grateful... I am and you know how lucky I am to make a living writing about film talking about film I have a son who is homeschooled who has special needs so it's you know hard for me to get out of the house and work so you know it keeps my family going it's my absolute passion and I love what I do and I totally recognize how fortunate I am to have some of the opportunities that I've had, to work with some incredible people, to work on incredibly exciting projects. So often when I post on social media, there will be these guys who work in the field and, you know, it's no particular person, this is just a common theme, 
who aren't doing as much as I am, and I sense the resentment from them, like, why are you moaning? You know, you did three commentaries last month. Well, yes, I did, but I wanted to start this episode by saying I worked really hard to get to where I am. I see it as my professional job. I consistently work at it. I'm not I don't sit around and and projects rain on my head as lovely as that would be. You know, it's a freelance competitive market and I take place in that market. You know, and for every project that I do work on, I've probably been turned down on five or six. So, you know, it's just the nature of the game. It's like, you know, you're freelance, you get out there, you pitch and you work. When I I'm not doing that. I'm doing a lot of stuff like podcasts or I'm writing for Diabolique, which is non-profit. So I'm doing, putting a lot of stuff back out. It sounds like a weird defence, but it's not. There is a point to that. I, I'm putting a lot of stuff back out and I'm also working with young writers to give them a platform and nurture new talent or, you know, and I'm very community focused. So I realised that, you know, but resentment or whatever, the people can look at me and think I'm in some privileged position where I just sit there and I get handed everything on a plate. And that really isn't how it happens behind the scenes at all. I have to work at what I do. And, you know, that's it. I just work at it like a job. You know, it's not a hobby to me. It's a full time job. Um. The, the the other side of that is, though, that I think, you know, when these things happen, very sexist things, and we come up against, you know, on one end, the mansplainers, then you have the sleazy twats, then you have the outright trolls as well who will come after you, and we'll talk about all of those things on this episode. <laughs> um, I think it's important that I am in a position where I can say stuff and I do have some sort of platform that I should talk about that and it should be out in the open I don't when people tell me oh you shouldn't moan and you should just be happy for what you get I know for a fact that a lot of my male colleagues do not put up with some of the stuff that we put up with I also know that my experience is not uncommon to most other women I know working in this field it's just not and so I'm compelled to talk about it, to get it out in the open. So the purpose of this episode is kind of like that, to really actually get it out in the open properly, not just in a Facebook status or whatever, because you're kind of limited and people can misread it. But it's not moaning. I think it's vital that we have these conversations because through those conversations, things improve and things will change. And so by telling somebody, oh, well, you shouldn't say that or you shouldn't think that or you should just be grateful for what you have and ignore everything else and just carry on. Well, it's fine to say that, but when it feels like injustice, I have to talk talk about it. And I have had, you know, other women come to me as a result of things that I've posted about or the huge bullying episode that I will talk about probably on this episode I went through a couple of years ago actually people coming to me and sharing their experiences especially younger more inexperienced female writers who lack a lot of confidence and get into this game and it is like a shark pit 
It really is, and you're thrown in with a bunch of guys waving their willies around, puffing their fucking <laughs> chests, and it can be off-putting to women who are generally not as confident as men anyway, and I've seen sort of less experienced female writers just be totally put off and actually drop out and move away. So I think it's really important that we have these conversations, that we talk about this, that we don't palm it off as moaning or being ungrateful because I'm sorry, that's gaslighting. It, it is. is. We need we need to have these. Sorry, Heather, I'm just on no, <laughs> rage no, there, but No, you're oh. you're preaching you're preaching the word and it's complete hundred percent true. Um I always feel that if anything can can at least get us close to solving a lot of issues in this culture and this life, it's two things, and that's discourse and heart. And the thing is like talking about these things and talking with each other is the absolute if it's not the full solution to things, it's at least a good step in that direction because, you know, a lot of people don't talk with each other. They just talk at. Like, when you get somebody telling you, oh, stop moaning, they're not talking with you. They're talking at you, and that's a problem. Yeah, they're the saying, other... I don't get as much work as you, and therefore I, I am going to air my, I'm going to project my resentment. If Which you is, go into it as as a full time job and you spend day after day pitching and working and improving, there's no reason why the work is there. You know, if you want the work, go and get it. Don't just sit around and think, well, someone else is getting that work. But just go out there, you know, and work at it. Write a blog, do a podcast. You know, just keep going because it's like that's the only way really you can break through. Um, but. You know, so saying that and saying, oh, you shouldn't talk about that, I think as women, we're often told what we should and shouldn't talk about. Like one of the things that I've often come up against is friendly warnings of not being, I shouldn't be too vocal because I might damage my professional reputation. Um, because generally, if men are vocal, and again, I'm not going to name any names on this, but I know some men in the field who are very difficult and very demanding and very particular with how they work and who they work with and how they can be edited and how they can be presented. And that's fine. You know, they're protecting their work, their vision. I get that. If they do that, they're assertive and they're authoritative. Generally, women aren't told that and we're not socialized to do that anyway as we're growing up we're told to be submissive to the man and polite and not interrupt and listen to what we're being told um and so generally you know as you go up into a professional field you're told don't make too much of a fuss don't complain don't see so when people come along and they say that and I'm sure there'd be people listening to this thinking what's she on about you know um, they just dismiss it as moaning or being ungrateful. That just plays in, and I'm not saying they're doing it intentionally, but that just plays into that whole thing of telling women what they should and shouldn't say. Because if you try and be assertive as a woman, you're instantly labelled difficult or a bitch. Yeah, I mean, it's a tale as old as time, you know, and, and I think the the big root issue I have when somebody says like, oh, well, stop moaning or watch what you say or whatever, or you should just be happy is you're telling people and you're telling women to be complacent. 
You're telling yes. somebody, it's like telling somebody who's in a emotionally abusive relationship that they should stay because, well, at least he or she's not hitting you. You know, that's bullshit. Yeah. You should never, gen, no matter what gender, no matter who you are, like if something is bullshit, it's bullshit. Call it out. There's no shame in it. If, if, if the milk is clean, then it's clean and everything's good. If the milk's not clean, then shine that light on it and let's fucking fix it. You know, <laughs> like let's, and that's what we're trying to do with this episode is hopefully kind of get a good discourse going. Yeah. Uh, and, and also maybe help people kind of realize that, um, you know, there are issues like sexism is real. And, you know, and if somebody's saying if, you know, like if Kat and I, you know, we're talking about feminism and it's sad that I, I feel like I even have to say this, obviously it's not a bad word here and people we've been made to feel like saying you're a feminist is a bad and it'll scare people and all we're saying is we want equality we want to be treated like we're humans like we're human beings not a second class citizen not just uh an egg hatchery with legs (laughs) you know like and um because that's that's the thing. It's like you you're made into a token and you're treated like that. And yeah. I don't I don't think a lot of male writers and how could they know? Like I mean, there's experiences that somebody well, there's, else has there been are no male know. writers, are there? There there are writers and then there are female writers. Exactly. Nobody ever asks a male <laughs> writer what's it what's it like being a man writing about these movies what's it like having a penis <laughs> right you know and it's like i never understood that because penises are not prehensile like a penis cannot wrap its i mean if it can i want to see it i'll pay money to see that but uh human penises um can be fantastic but they're not prehensile and literally the only thing that either gender can't do that the other one can is the simplest of biological efforts. Everything else, we're humans. We're in this shit together, babies. And, you know, but yeah, it's like that tokenism. And I mean, when I was a younger writer, it would fuck with my mind a little bit because it's like if somebody paid you a compliment, but then they say, oh, it's so great to see a woman or get a woman's voice. And I'm like, I'm just me. I'm Heather. I'm not, yeah. I'm not a, a rapper. I wasn't voted by the Council of Women, <laughs> you know, as a represent. I'm just me. And I don't, I want to be viewed as more than just a woman. Like, I'm proud to be a woman. I'm not ashamed. I'm a proud feminist, always have been. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you want to be your writer. We're putting our our love and our vision and our words into these things because we care about it and we give a shit and it's a part of us. It's our DNA. And so you want all of that scene without somebody just automatically putting you in that box. You know? Oh, absolutely. I'm totally with you on this. I mean, obviously, as women and... Film writing is opening up and we are seeing different uh, voices and different experiences being brought into film writing, which I love. You know, I don't think you can ever have too much film writing, ever. And the more voices and the more experiences and readings we can get into that, it just enriches it. You know, it's not something that has this finite thing. So let it all pour in and have, all you know, all these different voices, all these different op- opinions. Um, you know, so I'm not against that at all. And obviously as a woman and, you know, we all come to things with different life experiences. So we will view film through the lens of our own experience, our own life experiences, our own tastes, you know, so many different things. So, yes, it is important to have more women writing about film. 
in an industry that has been typically dominated by male voices, uh, not exclusively so, but typically dominated by male voices. So it's nice to see people coming in with a different perspective. But to just be viewed as, you know, like you said, the token, the woman, that in fucking infuriates me because I don't want to be there because I'm a woman and somebody decided to put me there as a woman. Like, can we have a woman? <laughs> you know, it's like that. Can we just, can someone bring in a woman? You know, I want to be there because I'm respected for my unique voice. And part of that is being a woman, but part of that has nothing to do with being a woman. You know, so it is, it's like, that is fucking infuriating and I don't want to piss on anybody's parade I really don't I think the movement's heart started in the right place but this whole we'll start with women in horror um the fact that it's picked up and every year February becomes the month of women in horror and it's like yes we do need to show obviously that guy from Blumhouse doesn't realize women make any horror films because uh, he was was it last year Oh, I didn't know any women directors, you know, was his answer. So, yes, obviously, what? we do need to platform talent. And I'm talking about talent. We've got to platform everyone. Um, and so my main issues with women in horror is it becomes indistinguishable because we get the platforming of everything, everybody just because they happen to be female and there's no, you know... How do I put this? The quality, quality control. Can vary. <laughs> quality control. So it just becomes white noise and it no longer means anything to a certain extent. Um and but the other but the it, but it's not that. If people want to promote their work and whatever, good. You know, I might not want to use women in horror for my thing because I don't view myself in that way. But I'm not gonna stop anyone else doing that. Like fair play to you. We all have to get on. The thing that annoys me the most is every fucking women in horror month all of a sudden i'm contacted by random blokes who run blogs or podcasts who have never supported my work as far as i know never fucking read my work never listened to the podcasts all of a sudden they want me to go onto their blog or their podcast so they can showcase to twitter and facebook how much they care about women in horror and when that happens, I just think this is nothing to do with women or equality. This is to do with you looking good to your fucking mm -hmm. mates or your readers. And that really fucking infuriates me because it is, it's like you said, it's total tokenism. They're not interested the rest of the time. And you never see, you know, the, the kind of people who do this. I have done shows for women in horror for friends that have, consistently supported my work your work you know the women writers that I really respect yes that's a different thing but most of the time it's not that it's some guy who does nothing 11 months of the year to support any women doing anything in genre even if that means liking something on Facebook or Twitter or retweet not even going that far but all of a sudden you know it becomes capital it becomes the hashtag winner of the month. And so it's become almost like this circus. 
where it's not really about pushing talent and platforming talent and having these kind of discussions. It becomes this white noise where everybody just seems to be out to get a piece and all you hear all month is the word woman, 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 woman. <laughs> and it, it just, I just find it really fucking nonsensical. We don't need a fucking month. And I've said this time and time again, we are fucking horror. Where do you think horror came from? Mary Shelley, you know, wasn't a dude. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> yeah, we don't know how to break it to you guys on this <laughs> one. But no, well, and it's bizarre too, because honestly, like if you, if you read up on like, if one is to read up on silent film history, so many filmmakers of the silent film era were women. Like, well, and, this and- is the thing. And they've had like restorations recently of people like Lois Weber's work. And they did like a BFI did a whole big box set. Kino have done some. And all these people are all of a sudden like, oh, my God, you know, where did these women come from? And they've always been there. They're not exactly obscure. Well, but the Mabel fact Norman. is, yeah, the most of the... Oh, I love Mabel Norman. I know. I just it's... fucking love her. Like, there'd be no Chaplin if there was no Mabel Norman. Exactly. She was the, she was the like, the force at Keystone with Max Sennett. And all she's remembered for now is her drug abuse and the fact that she was suspected of killing William Desmond Taylor at one point. You know, she was the one who mentored Chaplin. And if it hadn't been for her, Max Sennett would have just dropped him. She was the one. So we have Chaplin because of Mabel Normand. All of a sudden, people are like picking up a stone and going, (laughs) oh, who's this under here? Like, you know, they've always been there. But the thing is, you would just never could never be bothered to look for them. They've always been there in full view, but yet for some reason, all this scholarship has been consistently concentrated on the men. Yeah. With with just women left as a kind of a footnote, you know. And and the problem, I mean, that's already an issue, and but that is always kind of extended to film criticism because it's like there's there's always been women in the field who have tried to write about these films. I mean, like. Maitland McDonough was writing about Argento in the 80s. Exactly. You know, and that's the thing. We're, we've always been here. Any field you can think of that you're like, oh, what, a woman's in there? Women have been there. Women were in rock and roll. Look at Sister Rosetta Tharp, you know? <laughs> like, they, we've always been here. And, you know, and the problem is, like, so many people get so fucking sensitive. If you bring it up, it's like, you know, they they're either think, oh, well, what about men? And it's like, no, we're not, nobody's saying, like, oh, we hate men or men aren't valid. That's not at all. It's just saying just equality. Just open your eyes, you know. There can be room for for all. There's room for, you know, it's... because newsflash, and I don't want to sound disrespectful, I think certain factual history is important. Obviously, but once you've heard that factual history once, you know, you you don't really need to hear it time and time again. And we do have a culture where we have the same old guard, old boy network be rolled out time and time again. And obviously there are authorities in their field. You know, they've worked to, to get where they are. But it seems to be that that's all a certain portion of fandom or film culture want to hear 
And it's like, well, there is room for other things in there as well. We can have all of those things. Those guys can be there saying their thing and other people can be there saying their thing. That One doesn't cancel out the other. But you do get these people who get really upset, almost like it does. Like, these people are taking over, these new people, I can't cope. And, like, unfortunately, like, newsflash, these these old guard guys, you know, don't really speak to me. They don't really speak to me, and so I can listen to what they say, but they don't really open up anything to me, you know, Somebody comes from outside with a different, you know, maybe they're female or maybe they're queer or whatever, like with a different view. That opens my eyes because I've been hearing like the same stories for 20 odd years, you know, blah, blah, blah. Somebody comes along with a totally different perspective. That is what excites me about film writing, film commentating, is somebody can come along and they can make me think about something in a completely different way. You can have both of those things side by side, but for some reason this old guard, uh, or not the old guard themselves, because obviously some of them are very, very supportive, uh, some of them not so, <laughs> some of them are very <laughs> lovely, some of them are not. Yeah, we're, but... we're no names to protect, <laughs> to protect the guilty here. <laughs> Some of them tend to get a bit territorial that the upstarts are uh, taking over. Mm-hmm. Um, or... And, yeah, it's like, you know, oh, my God, you know. He, he, well, it's like our friend Stephen Frower said, you know, the heathens are at the gate. <laughs> I just love I that. Love... <laughs> oh god that i i want that on a t-shirt not a tattoo i love that so much yeah i mean steven's somebody who's always been very supportive and oh. just you know very open-minded but some cool, some cool as hell so. and he's and he's a great writer i mean that's that's the thing like cat and i have always kind of talked about a lot uh is that as you as a creative person or a writer like if you inwardly know you've got something to say and you have that confidence in it and that doesn't always mean you're always the most confident yourself like I'm incredibly neurotic and you know, I'm very honest about that and it's something I'm always working on to improve but you know I love what I do and I love you know I have faith in my writing and it doesn't mean I think I'm the greatest I'm not far from it but you know but it, it, it's so important as writers to like to to protect that part of you because you you were you are going to deal with bullshit. You're going to deal with people that are coming at you from a not so clean perspective. And, and when I say that, I mean, like, you know, I mean, over the years, like I've dealt with condescension, almost like, oh, oh my that's God, so, <laughs> that's so cute. Look at you, little lady. Oh, my God. You know about movies? You know about monster movies? You know about heavy metal and punk? You know about this? And it's like, yeah, my 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 brain isn't directly connected to my uterus, believe it or not. That's not how women are are built. Um, you know, th- things like that to downright almost and I I think it's I imagine there's also probably male writers who are like who are very non-status quo with how they approach writing too i think anybody if you're approaching something in your own unique way you when you're dealing with old guard sometimes yeah they're going to get nasty because oh totally this isn't exclusive to just being a woman yeah um obviously you know a lot of younger writers get shit as they try and move up but it's a specific type 
that you get if you are a woman. And like you said, it's the condescension. Um, when I was kind of first trying to find my footing in a more professional thing, so I started on a blog. I couldn't write for Toffee. That blog is terribly written. It's still on the internet, so go and find it. I was a huge fan of the run-on sentence. I didn't know what commas were for. It's just terrible. But I leave it there just as a reminder of how far I've come. Um, so when I started to go up and do things more professionally, so I started to get accepted, you know, pitch into magazines, um, there is a very well-known film historian who used to make very patronising and quite rude and off-putting comments on my work. Um, to the point where I wrote about... A f I, I'm not even going to mention the film because it might identify the person. I don't want to embarrass anybody. Uh, but I'd written about this old film and this person had actually... For Diabolique, I was just writing for them at the time. Um, and this person had actually logged in and written this huge comment of telling me everything that I'd done wrong in this review. It was only a bloody DVD review. Uh, and then they obviously had second thoughts and deleted it and thought maybe I'm being a bit harsh. And they didn't know that we get an email if there's a comment <laughs> and their fucking name was on it. Uh, and that sort of thing. And that was just as I was coming in. I was really... I lacked any confidence. You know, I was just trying to break... I was just trying to find my feet. And the first thing I get is somebody who... I'd previously really respected their work, kind of hammering down on me for I have no reason why. Um, and since then, that person, they don't do it anymore, but they did used to make these kind of smarmy little comments on my work. Um, and the best example was... Um, uh, so a male colleague of mine... <laughs> This is a really good example. So a male colleague of mine, who I also won't name, I'd been saying for ages, this person, this person keeps doing this stuff for me. I find them very, uh, doing this stuff to me. I find them very patronising. I, I think they're trying to put me off. And this guy's like, oh, no, it's not that. You know, you're just probably being a bit sensitive or whatever. So I'd written this... Uh, Blu-ray review, and the colleague wrote the, uh, we used to do an audio vis video section, and I'm not very technical, so the colleague had written part of that section for me, you know, with the specs and everything. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm like, you do that part. So we put up the review, uh, and this person is straight on the review, and they're criticising, unnecessarily criticising, but they criticise the wrong person's part. They they criticise the, the male writing that they thought was mine. And this person all of a sudden was like, oh, fuck, they do do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, but it was only when say. he had experienced it and how ridiculous the criticism was that he realised. You know, because I'd been saying for like... Time and time, like this person is keeps doing this, and it just goes back to that whole thing of women not being heard. It was like I was just told, and it's all very well meaning, but you know, oh, you know, maybe you're just being a bit oversensitive. Oh, yes, so to come into that, 
it was a learning curve for me because to come into that and to receive that quite early on, that just made me really fucking determined to prove everyone wrong. I also had issues with another editor who thought I was too lowbrow. They couldn't thought I couldn't write properly, uh, that I shouldn't be where I was, blah, blah, blah. And so I sat out. I just thought, I'm just going to fucking make you all eat your words. You know, if this is what you think of me. Um, and that editor, actually, I got an email off him last year apologising. Oh, nice. <laughs> which good. And just um, saying how incredible Diabolique was, which I thought was, you know, it, yeah, it was kind of nice to have that. But it can be so off-putting. You know, women generally, I don't want to generalise, but women generally don't have the confidence that men do because we're not encouraged to be confident. We're, if we're, we're being too assertive, it's seen as too masculine or, or too aggressive. or You know, so we generally don't have those skills in us or they're not encouraged. And so to come into like a snake pit from day one and have these vultures like straight on you, you know, um, does put a lot of women off. And I know women that have started out writing genre and they have been incredibly talented writers and they've lasted one or two years and they've said, I can't cope with this. And they, that's it, they stop. And I think that is one of the saddest things, you know. So to get that out and just say it happens to all of us and it shouldn't happen to us, but this is what happens, you know, as soon as they start to see you as a threat, they will swoop down and in this very kind of, like you said, patronising, condescending way that I don't see being done to men. No, no, far from it. And I mean, on top of that, it's just especially like the longer you do it, because, you know, both of us. But then it gets worse. (laughs) It just gets worse. It it gets worse, but you get clarity because there are things that I, I put up with when I was a younger writer that I look back on now and I'm like, God, like, I, you know, I wish I could almost go back in time and console my younger self because there's, there's so many things that happen to you that, you know, you're not sure initially, like, is it because I'm a woman? Is it because maybe they don't like my writing? And, but the fact that you even mentally have to go there as far as the gender, you know, it, it messes with your head. It messes with your perspective and, you know, and especially because sometimes it comes from both sides. I remember um, a magazine I used to write for. I actually got this intensely vile piece of hate mail from a woman um, in Canada. And uh, I can't, I won't mention what the what film I wrote about, but I, I, I dared to use the descriptor campy, which I wasn't using to describe the film. Like if she had actually bothered to read the whole piece, I was saying that um, the type of film that I was covering by, you know, the population at mass tend to view it's like, oh, those films are campy. And, and the whole point of me bringing it up was to show as I dove into the meat of the film is like, no, no, this, this film, there's a lot going on and there's just a lot of cultural subtext and there's a lot of layers. And, you know, I was, a, it was a piece I was actually very proud of. I still am. And, you know, the editor at the time, the male editor did not have my back. And this woman actually went after my background. Like it wasn't just like, she didn't like my piece. Like I'm not, cause whenever people tell you or me or any woman, like, Oh, you're being hysterical. You're too sensitive. Listen, honeys, we've been doing this shit for several years now. If we were too sensitive as writers, we wouldn't be writing. 
Because that's the thing. Like every anybody who writes, you get rejected. You get people. I once had a, a lady shame me for a piece of fiction I wrote because I had a, a character that was a gigolo. And he was a protagonist, and she was like, thought I was the worst feminist in the world because <laughs> I had that. <laughs> like we we have been through it all. Like at this point, like you know, if if you write if you write for any number of time and you're still writing, you couldn't be that sensitive because the industry, by its very nature, will will you know will fucking toughen you up for sure. And but no, I mean she was nasty, and the editor was like, so what are you going to do about this? It's like you're the fucking editor. Yeah, it's like that's just what I mean. You're the editor. If anything comes in to us at Diabolique, I'm always the first port of call, and my instinct is it's always to protect the writers first and foremost. You know, so they don't have to deal with that shit. So that's just total bad form. Well, and and. you're the captain and that's it you're a great editor like i mean thank god for the great editors you know because you've always you're good about that i learned by having some awful editors though (laughs) (laughs) so in a way having all those awful experiences taught me what not to do uh because you know you can have hard editors who are brilliant and i was very fortunate to have one when i was starting out he was really, really harsh, but I improved because of that, because the 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 criticism was constructive. I could do something with it. But you, you know, you also find, and it's generally inexperienced editors who don't realise they're in a partnership, and so it's more about power. And so if people start swapping out a word you chose for a word that means the same word, uh, because that's what they would have used. That's not editing. That's a fucking power trip. And I think you learn these things as you go up. You know, you have these bad experiences and you have good experiences and you learn from that. And But again, it is this kind of... How do I put this? You do see women seem to be judged more harshly um, and I'm not generalising about editors. All editors have their different style. I'm talking about as an industry in general, you know, as a, a body. Uh, um, and not just by people inside the industry, but also people that kind of consume in the industry. Uh, you know, buy books, buy DVDs, listen to podcasts and whatever. I don't know what to call them, really, like consumers. I'm not going to call them fans. I hate that <laughs> <laughs> you can't be like a DVD reviewer and have a fucking fan. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, just, you just can't. Um, but yeah, you, you generally get this this attitude. That the women tend to be judged a lot more on what they say, on how they write. Uh, there tends to be a lot more of this pedantic picking attitude. Um, and sometimes I feel... Like, certain work that I do, there's a certain type of, of man that doesn't like me. And uh, and I'm not surprised. <laughs> you know, they're normally kind of right-wing, middle-aged, white, 50-something, Trump-supporter type. You know, if those people suddenly started loving me, I'd be doing something wrong. Oh, God. But it's almost yeah. like everything I put out, they're on it to try and find something that's wrong with it. So if they can't find a fact that I've got wrong, um, 
you know, it will be the tone or the delivery or the way I said something or that I'm too enthusiastic or the, I do, you know, um, and I used to try and appease, especially with audio commentaries, I stupidly, when I first started, used to try and appease those people. So I would take their comments or the ones that I could do something about and I would try and use that as constructive criticism. And it took me a long time to realise, actually, none of this is constructive. Because no matter what I did, if I changed... Because it's a learning curve. There's no, like, uh, course you can do to do an audio commentary. Like, everyone has their own style. Um, I just approached it in a way, you know, this kind of audio commentary that I would listen to. You know, I realise not everyone's going to like that, but cool. Um I would try and appease them. So they'd be like, she doesn't mention enough facts. She doesn't mention enough bios. So I'd try and say a little bit more about the actors. And then it's like, she's just reading off Wikipedia and IMDb. Um, she doesn't stick to the film. She does more general conversation. So I did a track where I did more close reading because it was a long film. I thought, this is good. I can get more close reading in. I was really into that till I saw their review. And it was like, you know, she's just talking about what's on screen. It's like, and I realised it doesn't actually matter what I do or what approach I take. They're never, ever going to accept or like anything that I do. And it's like, that's cool. Don't listen. There's commentators that I don't, you know, I'm not saying don't like his people. I mean, I just don't, their approach or delivery doesn't interest me. I'm not a huge fan of like overly academic presentations. So I prefer something that's a bit more casual. It's like it's just a personal taste thing. Don't listen. But but it's not that. They kind of get on the internet. I'm saying they. It's like a quite a small group of, of men who kind of gravitate around one or two forums. Um, but they will just be outraged. And there's this one guy who kind of almost like rage listens to every track I do. And then he will write all this stuff. And it's like, you know, and it's like, dude, why are you wasting your life like this? Because he actually thinks, I don't know if he thinks I'm taking work away that he should be doing or his friend should be doing or what, but there is this real kind of, uh, you know, why is this woman here <laughs> doing this? Uh, why isn't there a man here? You know, get a, get a man with some authority. We need a penis in this room right now. <laughs> isn't it? Why is she like, in the kitchen? Who is this person? Who is this woman? <laughs> why aren't you She's fixing really... me a sandwich woman <laughs> i made a joke recently that the next track i do i'm just going to be preparing sandwiches and opening cans of beer and asking the guys who are watching the film how, you know if would they like a beer mm. uh, you know occasionally not too much you know every half an hour something oh, you okay there love you know, and I'm not going to say anything else. That was worse. Because, like, literally everything I say is, is wrong. And uh, the other thing, like, people say, oh, well, you shouldn't say this, you know, because it's okay, it doesn't matter. But at the end of the day, I'm putting my work out there and I'm a freelance writer. And, I'll, and some of the stuff these people have written, like, actually, in legal terms, borders or goes into slander. Um, You know, I would because they totally take what I say out of context and misrepresent it. And so, you know, from a business perspective, it's stressful to have that, especially when you know the only reason that they're doing that 
is, you know, you could literally sit there and read the fucking production diary, every little minute detail from any film, and it wouldn't be right. Your voice would be wrong. You'd be talking too quickly. You'd sound too enthusiastic. Like, there would be something wrong with it. And that is one of the shitty things that we have to put up with because I, do, I see it happen to other women or, or, and not just women, but men who are kind of more on the marginal side, like queer men, it, it tends to happen to a lot as well. You know, anyone who doesn't fit that kind of box, they are just, what's the word for it? They're just kind of shouted down and just kind of you know judged a lot more harshly mm. and this whole diatribe come out because of, of what you said heather is um you know on the other hand of that we do have men who fucking phone it in and they do sit there and they do read wikipedia and this same group of men who were like oh my god you know they didn't do that this woman didn't do this or she um you get someone totally fucking phoning it in, a dude of the same age and the same colour, and they're like, oh, my God, they're an oracle. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what it's, the fuck? <laughs> it, it's, and what's crazy is people, like, a lot of these commentators cannot really see outside their own sphere of existence. They have no idea they're probably even doing it. But... You know, my thing to them is like, why, if you really hate something, because and you and I are both on the same page with this, like, why are you investing this much energy into it? Yes, like, there's so go much. Go away. Do I, something else. What if, <laughs> this is no joke. One of my favorite, like, people in the world is Ice-T, and I love him so much. And his Twitter is like a fucking Tao of living. Like, he has the best <laughs> philosophy. And he always points out, like, if somebody isn't focused on their game because they're too busy focused on your game, then their game is always going to be weaker. Like, that's the thing. Like, if you're so invested in what this other person, oh, I hate what she's doing or I hate what he's doing, blah, 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 and you're putting that much energy, then your game's going to suffer. Like, you're not focusing on what you need to be doing for yourself because you're too busy being a negative Nelly, you know? And it's not that we can't take criticism. We can take criticism if it's constructive. Constructive is good. You can learn from... I'm not saying that every piece of work that I've put out is perfect. And I always... I'm never happy with my work. I always try and look at it and I just think, oh, my God, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. And if somebody comes and they're, you know, not being a bellend about it, you know, or not trying to kind of show off or be, like, condescending. You know, if they genuinely are offering you some constructive advice, that is gold. You know, I'm going to take that. But 90% of this so-called criticism isn't constructive, Um, which brings me to, (laughs) to one of the things that we wanted to talk about. I've done a few things on camera, and... You know, I don't fit the ideal of the kind of horror woman, uh, 20-something suicide girl, uh, black eye. No, I don't fit that. I'm a middle-aged, overweight housewife. I do have a lot of tattoos, but I'm just really... I barely wear makeup. I'm just not interested in that, you know? I'm just me. So I go on camera, 
Um, and then I had these guys just right spewing out this kind of, I'm too overweight to be on camera. I'm too scrappy. I've got too many tattoos, you know, Jesus. and, and it, and it, and I thought, you know, other guys in the field, we're writers. We sit down a lot, you know, none of them are svelte. Let's face it. Um, especially if you get to middle age and you spend all day sat on your ass, probably eating Pringles, stress eating Pringles because you've got a <laughs> deadline due and you haven't got time to cook, right? Let alone <laughs> leave the house for a walk. Um, you know, and when the guys appear on camera, they're just there to be listened to. And so whatever they're saying, people aren't really looking at what they look like. They're just listening to them. Uh but their reaction, it was nothing about what I said or the information I gave, because I thought I'm just there giving information, like my male colleagues, because that's why you're there, to give information. Um, and the reception was almost like, you know, I should look a certain way to be more appealing or ornamental to these people. And that really fucking pissed me off. So I've never heard anyone say, you know, Kim Newman was looking a bit, you know, has he put on a few pounds? Why, you know, why has he got that? It was, and it was all like that. And that's another th issue that we have in genre is uh, the women that do tend to get accepted into genre uh, tend to be uh, the type. <laughs> I'm trying to be really diplomatic about this. Uh, you can be accepted by genre fans if you play the hee-hee-hee, he, he, I'm going to post selfies and cleavage and be a little girly and not really threaten your masculinity. I'm just going to, you know, post these kind of glamour shots, um, you know, um, and, and that kind of gets accepted by certain horror fans. Whereas somebody who doesn't fit that ideal, they're kind of like, why is this, like, middle-aged housewife on <laughs> like why is she here you know bring me a suicide girl <laughs> with a lot of the cat von d barbie you know so it puts pressure and i've noticed this on a lot of younger female writers and this isn't a criticism of any of them who are listening i just feel really sad about this that they feel that they have to post all these selfies or these filtered kind of selfies and they have to kind of play up to a certain image to get noticed because it is really hard to just get noticed on what you write because you're constantly wading through this shit and having men here, there and everywhere you know, tell you the director of the film you just wrote about. <laughs> oh, that's, we'll get into that in a little bit, but yeah. That one's no. my favorite. I love that. Oh God. We love, please tell us, oh, where I sages about, tell us some factoid about what we just spent hours and hours upon researching and writing about, please. But no, and it's, and I mean, and that's always been like kind of an issue there. Cause I, um, because I remember back when, um, I'm sure everybody, everybody now remembers Leanne Spider Baby more for the plagiarism as they should. But before she was discovered, like, everybody was just, she was making all these strides because, oh, she's so beautiful. She literally posted a video of herself on YouTube writing. Now, like, now like, Heather, anybody who says that is just jealous. Of a jealous cow. 
of her of her athletic bicoastal lifestyle. But um, <laughs> see, I, I always got pissed off with her, and you know, because the stuff I saw from her wasn't very well informed. Well, that was my problem. It's like I, thought, I don't fucking hell, woman, you're letting the side down. It's like the writing was shit, and that's the thing. It's like, and I, and but if you'd say, oh, the writing isn't good, oh, you're jealous. You're just jealous. No, I'm not jealous. Like, I mean, hey, it, we're all. The human body in its various forms, like, I think people can be beautiful looking, you know, looking like Twiggy, or they can be beautiful looking like Orson Welles in his, you know, latter days. I mean, it's like, you know, that's, that's fine. I don't care. Like, is the writing good? Your job is to be a writer. And the writing was not there. And that's the thing. Like, that's, that's the problem is if somebody gets attention as a writer, it should be because there are, they're, they're good at their job. Like if you're beautiful and your job is to be a model, then there you go. There's nothing wrong with that. But like we're writers, you know. Like, it should have nothing to do with that. It should no. have absolutely nothing to do with that. There is a pressure there on women, especially younger women, to fit a certain ideal though, to be accepted. And I know that's not just exclusive to writing. It's it comes into everything. But you know, writer, one of the things I always loved about writing is I always felt like, and I guess I noticed it more as social media got bigger. So you start interacting with more people. I always thought writing's great because you can basically, you know, you're, you're, all people see your words. So it doesn't matter about your weight or what you look like or how old you are or anything else. All people have is a, is a connection to you, is your words. And obviously with the social media, we've gone beyond that now. And so, you know, we can't, we don't really have that sanctuary. We have to put ourselves out there more. But it seems to get further and further away from the actual writing and more to do with like, what's the word for it like being a personality or something like yeah, being and an influencer or social networking yeah like more to do with that and less to do with actual study and writing and so I get it I can see I don't want to tell anyone how they should dress or how they should present themselves on social media um I, I really don't want to do that you know do whatever makes you feel happy but I do know that you know certain women feel of certain pressure to be like that and that pressure is never given to men god some of the writers i know and these are people i love are fucking male writers are fucking slobs and admittedly so and they don't care like one of my best writer friends posts his fucking pot noodles all over social media and his slippers and you know it's like <laughs> can you imagine if a woman did that oh my god there'd be an outcry oh, you know okay. how dare you be a slob how dare you? <laughs> and we need more. We need more female slobs in writing. Like, let's all be open I'm a and honest. Slob. I'm totally wearing some jammies <laughs> right now while we're doing this. Like, and my haunted house. Oh my process. God damn it. I mean, yeah, sorry. I hate to break it to you. Most writers aren't wearing tuxedos and evening gowns while we're doing our craft. But <laughs> and I, I, honestly, I think most most readers are cool as hell and are intelligent and get it. It's just the handful of just people that range from well-meaning, I'm hoping, but very misguided to just people that are obviously weren't hugged enough as a kid and you know or whatever uh and it's 
But it, it is vexing when it's people that you know are smart. Like, just some troll that's being, like, I've, I've had some of that shit, too, where somebody's like, oh, look at this, look at this fat whore or whatever. And that's ugly, but it's like, okay, you're obviously... You know, you know, so somebody's fallen down the evolutional scale at some point, you know, but um, but what it's for people. It's always with those dudes as well. You look at them like their little profile thing and you think, who the fuck are you to judge? Oh, any, anybody. <laughs> oh, it, that it's is classic. Like hideous a... mouth breather. He looks like he <laughs> you know, like lives fedora. in his mother's basement. He's going, well, you're too fat. And it's like, I'm sorry. You know, Prince Charming. Ah. <laughs> oh, it's the, any anybody that is the first to be all like, oh, these fat chicks or these do these gross slob guys or whoever, never they're never gonna look like a beauty. But even if they do, your personality fucking sucks. That's the thing. Like, people <laughs> join us on the evolutionary train, and instead of devolving, let's evolve because, you know. Well, that was one of the things that really shocked me, though, when I, when it started to happen to me, you know, people started to comment on my appearance. And I haven't had it an awful lot, but I have had it, had it enough. Um, you know, that was one of the things that really got, because I hadn't expected that. You know, you can say my opinion on a film is stupid. You can disagree with me um, and say, you know, I don't agree with you. I think you're stupid. I don't like the film that you like. You can tell, I can, I can take that. That's absolutely fine. You know, sometimes we're just not going to all ag agree. Uh, but if you start saying, you know, if I'm there to write about something or speak about something that I don't look a certain way, that's more appealing to you, I never expected to get that. And that was one of the most eye-opening things, I think, was that this expectation that if I'm going to go out and speak about film, I better look good to do it. And, you know, whereas my male colleagues, I've seen guys uh, talking on video extras, you haven't even got any teeth. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, it's, it's utterly ridiculous because it's like, again, like if you guys, you know, if somebody's wanting to see nothing but physically perfect, beautifully groomed, professional makeup people, watch Baywatch, you know, watch something that's in fantasy land because real human beings, even a lot of those actors and models who are on their shows in real life don't look like that. And to expect that, especially just because it's a woman, we're, you know. Well, to think that's a valid criticism of someone. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And it's also juvenile because it's like, you know, I, I don't know how to break it to people, but, you know, not everybody's put her on earth to be in your spank bank. And that's not on them. You know, <laughs> like if somebody it's absurd, because can you imagine like if, you know, judging somebody just because you don't want to you don't find them sexually attractive. So you're not going to listen to them on anything. It's ridiculous. It's I can't even mentally go there it's so stupid like how would you learn anything in school if you operated like that i never had any I'm good sorry. looking male teachers yeah. this teacher's not attractive enough can you get someone in that's more attractive i need somebody i want to bone <laughs> right now to teach me about <laughs> physics right now it's stupid okay. it's so fucking stupid and it's oh these it I just, these, these are people that weren't, they either were breastfed too much or not enough because the women issues is out of, just fucking out of this world. It's ridiculous. And, you know, God, that's, 
you know, we're fucking writers. Like, what male writers look like Fabio? <laughs> and they don't have well, to. That's, that's okay. Literally, they don't have to. And there's no expectation for them to. And it doesn't matter what they look like because they're writers or they're commentators or whatever. And that's absolutely fine. And so it's this weird kind of double standard. And I don't know why I didn't expect it to be there. Like, I was really shocked the first time it happened. Uh, I'm more used to it now. But I just think, you know, there shouldn't be that expectation there that it is. So it's yet another thing that we have to deal with. You know, you either comply and you look a certain way and you post pictures of your cleavage on Twitter and you do the whole non-offensive girly-girly wink-wink thing um, or, you know, you don't do that and then you get the shit. So it's yet another thing. It's the condescending territorials. uh, Mm. Nothing you can do is right. And then there's on top of that, you don't look the right way. We need you to look a certain way. Otherwise, you know, it makes no difference. You could look amazing. And then they just say you were a bimbo. Like well, you can't win either way. No, you can't because the women, it's almost uh, worse sometimes, I think, in, a, in some bizarre way for the ones that are really con- classically good looking because then they're never taken seriously, um, you know, as film critics. So like, oh, well, she's a pretty face and that's why she's there. And so, yeah, it's it's utter madness and it's bullshit. And, you know, all all we ever ask for is just, you know, as as artists and writers it's just is the work good like that's always like what a, another hero of mine harlan ellison which i love that so many of my heroes are very problematic probably for a lot of politically <laughs> correct types but but he, his whole thing was always about you know at the end of the day it's about the work the work itself like the work is something that will outlive us all you know so it's got to be good it's got to be true and all this fanboy horseshit bro culture dinosaur ethics in ethos towards female writers and just even writers at generals. Cause there's a lot of classism too, where I think, you know, a lot of our male colleagues who are more working class oh, also all... get shit on too. And yeah, that's there is a well. massive, I mean, that's another episode. That is a whole I think other the episode. Class thing <laughs> is as huge as the gender thing. Oh. There is a massive class divide, especially in, you know, festival culture and everything, because, it's become so much harder to earn a living doing this work, you know, and I managed to earn a living, but it's not a huge living. You know, if I actually told people what I earn, they'd be shocked. But, you know, it's a living. But compared to something like 10, 15 years ago, you know, it, it's not the living that it once was. Um, And so it's very hard if you are, you know, on a tight budget, to go to film festivals and that because they cost money and to sort of be at the networking events and all that and it all happens in London here I just can't afford to go there and so it becomes more of a class thing as well if you don't have access to a disposable income uh you know you you kind of get shut out in that way as well you don't get to be part of the whole net. Like, I did it a different way. I just, um, I'm not part of any network. Like, I, when I started, I knew not one single film person. But I got just the biggest gob. And I <laughs> and I just kind of, you know, just get myself everywhere. Because I just thought, I'm not going to be shut out. I've got a huge class chip as well. So that helps. 
But you do find that, and then you do find a lot of kind of media, mediocre uh, white middle-class men in these positions where they are getting the better-paid jobs, but, God, they are fucking bland writers. And that's nothing against them, but they're all indistinguishable, but yet they're there by virtue of the fact that they can network in this very class-based, gender-based space where, you know, I think if I could go to those things, I don't think I'd feel like I fit in. Anyway, I posted about this last year. I don't think I fit in. I don't fit in with the kind of posh academic film critics at the top, and I don't really fit in with the fanboys at the bottom. I don't know where I, I fit into all of it. But you do tend to, to get shut out. I think the one event I did go to, like, it was just so much, uh, you know, hello, darling, I was at this very obscure <laughs> Paris theatre, and but, you know, it was all like that. And I was just like, Fuck are these people? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, that's, you know, you and I both have, have had, um, I think, criticisms lobbed at our writing um, from people. Well, I've certainly found them from both genders, but about, oh, it's not academic enough. Or they're too low. You said low brow earlier. And oh, yeah. I feel I'm like some, <laughs> I feel like so much of that is 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 equally class based as well, because it's basically almost this sort of implication that if somebody doesn't write exactly like they are writing their, you know, doctoral thesis or whatever, that it's not valid, you know, and, and it's almost like saying if you if you sound like somebody who's only who's gotten their education by themselves from reading or from, you know, regular like non-private schools or what have you, then it's not valid. And that's bullshit because art, art is valid to everybody. And just to, to act like it's only valid to a, a tiny little enclave of people is that's damning to art. You know, it's a thing like what we do is I view as cultural preservation as much as it is exploration and if it's only for a tiny handful of people, well, then it's not going to live because the masses don't know about it, you know, so and also be so precious about it. I think that's another Speaking battle we fight. to the fight. masses, though, Heather. I know. I Speaking feel like a communist. Is so low, bro. <laughs> hey, that just reminded me of, of, of one line I absolutely fucking love that I get quite a lot. So if I'm having one of my little rage outs, there's always a man. And it's always a man who comes to tell me, Cat, you're better than this. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, you're better than this. Um, I had a, a guy who had previously written his own kind of thing about how women in horror didn't really reflect women in horror and it become very self-serving and blah, blah, blah. And he'd written a big thing about it. And uh, I was saying something very similar on social media, I think, last year. And they came in to tell me how, you know, they'd done that. And uh, and then they realised it hurt people. So I shouldn't do that. So it's like, hang on a minute. So I'm a woman writing in horror. And I'm expressing my opinion on women in horror. And you, a man, who had your say on women in horror and completely dismissed it, as is your right. Uh, you know, coming in to tell me that I shouldn't address my feelings about women in horror in case I hurt someone else's. <laughs> Just like, what? Oh God! That see, that's that's the thing. Is like swiffering. Oh, total. Oh, we'll get into swiffering here in a minute. <laughs> but 
that's the thing that's I think it was more banning because I think a lot of people when they think of sex as comments they think of the more obvious shit like somebody commenting on our appearances or you know you know basic kind of shit like that but the more insidious brand of it comes in those forms like I actually used to have a, a friend who we ended up having a big fight because he he had said something I can't even remember what he said but it was like something very blanket statement about women and I gently like I'm a diplomat to my very core I have the hostess gene but <laughs> I very try to nicely be like you know honestly that could be you know as a woman that you know statements of that are kind of hurtful because you know you can't I don't think you could put a Blakeman statement on anybody. And I, and I say that I include men in that too. Like, you know, we're all people, we're all individuals in this. And he got mad at me. It's like, I know, are you saying I'm not a feminist? And he got super mad with me about it. Like, <laughs> he, he, he literally said that he, he almost all but said, I know more about women than you do. And it's like, well, I bleed once a month and you don't dude. So get the fuck out. And, and I should, I know I, I'd say that I also, you know, I mean, obviously there are women that don't have periods that are just as much a woman as, as we are. But, um, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it, it's shit like that. And like that guy talking to you like that. Um, oh no, it, it's, it's a total mad. double standard. And if you pointed it out and it's quite often men who are, you know, because this person, I'm making them sound like a total asshole, but they were actually very supportive to me. They were my editor at one point. They were brilliant, nurturing. So it, I think, you know, it's it's this more kind of, like you said, insidious. It's like a structural thing that's invaded, you know, below the radar. And so quite often these people won't think that they're being sexist. They, they you know, they will think that they're doing something out of the kindness of their heart they're just advising you i get a lot of male colleagues advising me having a word you know just saying do you really want to be saying that you know you shouldn't really do that um you know and i think it's coming from a good place but what they're basically saying is i can say this that's absolutely fine but i it's it's almost like this like look that like comes out of a weird protective uh thing but it's like, dude, I don't need protecting. You know, if I'm writing something, I'm a writer. I've thought about what I posted for a long time before I wrote it because I'm a writer. You know, I don't just write things on the, you know, spur of a moment. You know, so to have them to come in, this almost like that can be just as sexist. Uh, and, and sometimes if you point it out, you know, if it's someone who's open-minded, they'll say, oh, shit, you're right. But... Most of the time, like with you, Heather, you get the response of like, don't you tell me what, <laughs> like, I'm not feminist. I actually had someone mansplain, mansplaining at me once. Oh God, I remember that. That was, okay, now we can, I think now we can, we can go a little deeper into mansplaining, but. Yeah, should we talk, because the reason I know, right, when mansplaining first came along, I thought, oh, that's a stupid term, you know. Uh, but then I realised how much it ticks off a certain type of very condescending, I'm the authority, willy-waving type of man. <laughs> because if you say, like, I've got male friends, I'll say you're mansplaining, they'll laugh, right? It's just a joke. And they'll say you're womansplaining, and it becomes a joke. But it does tend to trigger the type of people who fucking mansplain. Like they don't... And so after a while, I thought, this word is great. It's almost as great as the word cunt. 
in its power to just completely shut someone down when they're being a bell end. Um, you know, you can say you're look, you're fucking mansplaining, and and their heads explode. <laughs> and I actually had this kind of discussion with somebody who was trying to mansplain to me what mansplaining was and how it didn't exist. And I just let him go on and on and on. And then I was like, did you just mansplain, mansplaining? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can't make this shit up. You cannot. You can't, but it happens all the time. Oh, my gosh. And and, in fairness, like, we've we've been mansplained to by women. But mansplaining is a little more easier to wrap the mouth around than woman'splaining. But no, I mean, and it's it's random things. Like, I know you've had... You've had be people like you'll make a top ten list. You made a top ten list recently. Didn't you have a guy be like, Oh cat, I heartily recommend this film to you? And it's like a film you mentioned as like one of your favorite movies ever. It's on the fucking list. (laughs) (laughs) I I remember I had a local guy that I know who tried to mansplain to me. Remember I did a piece about Wall of Voodoo and the gun club for Diabolique oh, a few years God, ago. Oh, yes, yes. And, and he was like, oh, Heather, did you know blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, read the fucking article. Yes, I do know about it because I wrote it. <laughs> like, it's it's so funny. That fucking... happens oh, so God. much. Way too that much. That happens so much. You write something, you pour your heart into it, you post it in some pillar comes and makes this like factual <laughs> statement at you <laughs> and they don't even go hi nice piece of work. they just go did you know and it's like can you just even take five minutes to read the fucking pe- just give me the courtesy or don't comment yeah uh that is just so much of that it really ticks me off because i just think i just spent hours on that and you're just like you know listen here little lady to read it <laughs> read the first paragraph oh did you know this was re- oh i remember one i can't remember what piece it was but you had written about what's it it was uh you'd written about a film or written a remake of a film but basically you'd you'd written about this other rare version or remake i can't remember what piece it was and as soon as you shared it there was a guy on there going did you know about that version of it you're like it's what i wrote about <laughs> seriously people just read read our articles and if you don't want to read them that's fine listen cat and i we're big girls if somebody doesn't like our work simply because they don't like our approach or whatever that's fine not everybody's just gonna don't love everything. read it but don't, don't be an comment. asshole don't be an asshole there's plenty of shit we don't like and but we we we're too busy trying to kick ass and take over the world to troll whatever poor soul whose work has offended us. You don't see me outside giving Gwyneth Paltrow the middle finger because she's boring. I'm too busy <laughs> doing my work and living my life. God damn it. <laughs> but, but yes, well, and tied to mansplaining is one of our favorite terms ever. The all-encompassing term of swiffering. Which comes from Heather, and I'm, I'd never heard it. It's, in my life and now I'm obsessed with it because it's so it's, swiffering is taint <laughs> it's so perfect I have to I have to give all the credit though to there's a drag queen I love Will and Belly or Belle Eye, some people say and he's amazing but uh he 
like he commented on um, another girl who did this routine where she did the splits and she scooched and he's like, oh my gosh, she's swiffering that floor with her taint and it stuck <laughs> with me. I'm like, oh my God, I love Willem. That is awesome. But now I use it in terms like if somebody, and this could happen to any, any creative person, you know, uh, when somebody mansplains to you or they try to tell you what you're doing wrong in a way that's not constructive, but more like they're spraying their scent on it. They're, they're rubbing their balls and their taint or vaginas, whatever. They're bits all over your work. That is swiffering and you should not accept it because gross. Don't put your taint on me. I didn't ask for that. I love neither that. did you. So I get swiffered on a lot, which is do. how I came to learn about the term. Because Heather was like, has someone been swiffering again? Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, my, my favorite, my very favorite swiffering of the taint is if I've done something and I announce it like, hey, I've just done this thing. And I'm like really excited. Um, and then I'll get like a man who will come on there and they won't say, oh, hey, Kat, this is great. Um, or, you know, uh, congratulations. Or they go, I did, you know, a book chapter on so-and-so. I did the audio commentary on this film on the German edition. And it's like, what the fuck do you want, dudes? Like a cookie or something? Do you not have the? Can you not be gracious enough to just like seek that with, um, you know, hey, cat, congratulations, I did the, you know, you know, it's like this fucking statement, and it's like totally swiffering the fucking taint. And I, I just stop respond. I used to get really like kind of oh my god how do i respond to that i'll just be polite oh well done and i'm like why why am i saying well done to some rude wanker <laughs> and it's always guys that do it as well i saw uh recently uh you know when our colleague sam deegan did a talk somewhere and they were promoting the talk it was a talk at the miskatonic um promoting the talk and uh, on crimmy films and s- some guy just drops in a random DVD cover that he wrote the blurb on. Instead of going, oh, this looks like an interesting talk, or, well, I did the blurb on this DVD cover. It's like, what the fuck? Do you not have a conversation with people like, well done, what do you want us all gather round and fucking get you on our shoulders or something? That that is the the total the the biggest swiffering that happens in this industry. I know, and I see colleagues that do stuff all the time. Like I might have had crossover because international territories don't always have the same extras, or you might have done a magazine article on something someone's done a commentary for. You might have written a book chapter, whatever you know, because it's when those niche things you tend to write the same things as other people might have written. It's not that uncommon, and I see it happen, and I have literally never felt like swiffering my fucking taint on anyone. I will just not even mention what I've done. I'll just go, oh, hey, that's great. That's all you need to do. (laughs) Right. Well, and I mean, there's, you know, if somebody does something that you're excited about because you have a mutual interest, that's fine. But yeah, don't swiffer about it. You could be like, oh man, that's so cool that you're into what German creamy films. You know, like, don't be just, look at me, look at me, validate <laughs> you know me, what, you know? <laughs> Do you know what it feels like? It feels like everyone's playing in a ball pit, having a great time, and some 
angry kid comes in from the sidelines and picks up a handful of balls and runs into the corner with them. I thought you were, I, I thought you were going somewhere else with that analogy. No. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to say the kid was going to shit in the, the pit. And the pulls no. fancy on it just be like, here you go. Mine, yeah, shit in the ball pit. No, it's like you grab a handful of balls like, these are mine. And then yeah. runs into the corner because he just can't play the game with everyone else, like no. having a good time. Nobody can have this. Only me. Only me. <laughs> it's and you see a lot of that, I think, in general with with any cultural writing, which is oh, ridiculous. Imagine a world where there's only one book on Hitchcock and one book on Mozart and one book on Jimmy Hendrix. You know, like, of <laughs> no, course not. It's ridiculous. You know, it is so funny. That is when people do that. Oh. Uh, to to go back to the mansplaining, I had another one. Actually, when I was addressing, just addressing these kind of sexist DVD reviewers, and it is only like literally a handful of people, like not even a handful of people, actually, it's two. Um, and I don't want to name the where they post because I really don't want to give them any traffic and they don't get that much anyway. Um, <laughs> but these two guys seem to have some sort of weird personal vendetta and it's like, okay, um, I'm getting on with my work and you're wasting your entire life listening to my audio commentaries <laughs> fine uh so that i posted about you know that's something i've not seen men have either because these same guys will just review any male kind of you know the the more classic type commentary even if it's not very good as brilliant so this isn't a case of actual quality going on i'm not saying i'm amazing but i'm just saying some of the stuff they've rated five stars is just like are you fucking kidding me but um i so i post about this you know what is it with these weird sexist dvd reviews and and you know this is just another thing that we have to put up with and someone needs to start calling them out um and I had another male colleague come to mansplain uh, my <laughs> experience to me, oh, insert geez. himself into the conversation, uh, being very helpful, uh, trying to relate to... I mean, he was, I guess, thought he was coming from a good place. He's trying to relate to me with some completely irrelevant, non-sexist experience. And I'm like, dude... I'm talking about actual sex, like there's an actual sex, sexist element to this, <laughs> you know, not getting it, carries on kind of mansplaining um, and getting quite upset that I wasn't taking it on board because they, as they said, they were helping me. Um, hasn't spoken to me since <laughs> because uh. I wouldn't accept their advice. And it's like, I get it. It can sound really ridiculous unless it happens to you. And it can all sound really, really petty as well. You know, some guy didn't like my work and some guy thought I was too fat. And that's that's fine. You know, it sounds really petty. It may, you know. But when it's all the fucking time, like you've got it coming from here, there and everywhere and the guy's commenting and the guy telling you what you should be, what he thinks you should be talking about and the guy telling you how you should experience something and someone else doesn't like how you look like when it's that uh you know and it piles on and on that's when it gets to the point where you have to start saying stop enough you know i'm not going to take this anymore 
Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and the thing, too, is that I find that, you know, people that don't get defensive when you bring these up are not part of the problem. Like, there's plenty. No, it's some always, guys it, you choke. Yes. If you have a knee-jerk reaction to anything we're saying, then maybe do some self-exploration because, you know, because I think the thing, I think most reasonable people know, hey, I don't know this person's experience because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have this thing put on to me. Like, I don't understand what, say, like somebody who's African-American goes through in our country because I'm not them, you know, I'm, there, there is privilege in this world that are assigned to people and you have to acknowledge that. And that doesn't make you part of the problem. In fact, if you acknowledge that and you realize, hey, I want to hear their perspective because I'm not them. And that's true. And that goes always like there's some, you know, some Kat and I have heroes of all stripes and some of our heroes we've had to defend because I mean we we are equal opportunities offenders here at Hell's Bells (laughs) (laughs) and I mean I've had some like very um in fact one very noted uh allegedly sex positive feminist that was extremely shitty and condescending and catty with me and I found out from uh from somebody else who had dealt with her like yeah she's a fucking weirdo that's the thing you know humanity's often the problem when it comes down to it <laughs> how's that for nihilism well, i think we should talk about that that's the next thing is we're talking we're down on the men and i do get told off for that a lot but you know the main thing of this is sexism but then there's there's other issues so i think the best place to start with this is we asked people, you know, if they had any questions about, you know, this theme for us. And and so we had a few questions come in on the theme. And, and one of the questions that I really liked came from actually one of our associate editors, Joe Dwyer, who I think this is a good one. So... He said, and this is going to be a difficult one to answer as well, uh, I'd really enjoy hearing both of your thoughts on the support and or opposition you have experienced from other women who are writers, readers, spectators. You know, the right or wrong way of approaching things like sex and violence. It, it's a dynamic I'm curious about since I literally can't experience it. So I just want to unpack that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Joe's awesome. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And especially because um, for me personally, it took me, it felt like it took me a while to really find other women in the field who were really genuinely supportive and cool. And um, I will give a shout out to one of the earliest ones, which is Kate Hutchinson, a.k.a. Tenebris Kate, who's uh also did the witchy women scene which i got to be a part of and she's cool as hell and i've known her for years but it it took a long time um you know i've i've experienced both ends i've had you know thank god i feel like now is better than ever as far as like finding tribe and finding more and more women who are doing what we do and who are cool um which i think is awesome that makes me so happy um to see uh, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've personally, I've experienced some really, really shitty and I would say bizarrely sexist type behavior from other women. Uh, cause there's a lot of self-loathing, I would say self-loathing kind of feminist quote unquote types out there that just as much as the men want to box you in 
and if you don't act a certain way that they think you should as a woman, then your your uh, your art and you as a person do not count. And that's shitty. I, I totally agree. I think you know as much as we kind of don't align with the the more right wing elder men type of fan, we also you know I know mine and Heather's experiences are quite similar. Don't tend to fit into the whole woke feminism bracket either simply because and this is like the craziest thing because we're pro-porn we write about golden age porn we write about uh, European erotica we're quite sex positive in our views and uh, and so generally you know it's another one of those things like I like you saying the word boxes you know, that you need to fit a certain type. So if you're going to be a feminist, you you can only be acceptable as a feminist or you're only be embraced as a feminist by the, the, the larger community if you subscribe to this certain type of feminism. And a lot of that feminism is basically rereading old classics in an outraged way. <laughs> and saying look at this and this is problematic and that's problematic and that guy is rapey and this is uh, and we shouldn't have this and blah 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 and we do have a lot of that now and that seems to be the dominant voice so um i will not give up the word feminism i think feminism you know there are different brands of femi- feminism that are informed by different things and just because I'm not their kind of feminism and Heather isn't that their kind of feminism, you know, doesn't mean that we're not feminists. You know, feminism is actually such a huge part of my writing, um, you know, but it's not this kind of woke brand of, of feminism. And that kind of gets you shut out from this... I don't even want to say it's a community because a lot of it's virtue signaling and like Heather said, full of self-loathing and it's attention seeking. And it's, you know, my view is if you're going to go on to Twitter and just say, you know, uh, Scream 2 is better than any, uh, (laughs) better than all of Woody Allen's entire filmography, you know, round of applause, but I'm not ever going to respect anything that you say on cinema. Because... That's it's like, you know, you don't even like how to have to like Woody Allen um, to just, yeah, to go for that low-hanging fruit. And so we do see a lot of that arising. And I hate to say it from women who are breaking through the ranks by just writing super woke film criticism. And I'm not saying we can't use film criticism to uh, criticise systems and institutions, and we can't use film criticism, you know, to talk about a feminist experience or to talk, you know, to talk about rape or to talk... But, you know, if you're only going in to to put things down and rip them apart, I don't even know why you would want to be a film critic if that's all you do, Mm. and some people do. So to answer Joe, like... (laughs) I've had supportive women. I mean, Heather here is just the best... Alexandra wow. Helen Nicholas has just been wonderful. I mean, she is just uh, just been such a mentor and a support to me. You know, there are 
supportive women in the industry but I think if you're on the more of the uh, we write about exploitation film in a celebratory way we write about Jess Franco you you do tend to find yourself kind of <laughs> I don't know where have they put us like in the basement in the oh God. <laughs> kind well, of out of the way we're sort of like the like an old like in some old gothic Victorian novel about the the family has a, a misshapen child that they're ashamed <laughs> yes. of. Like we were put in the attic. We're like the VC Andrews incest babies. Like Oh that. my god. <laughs> I love that. But we're here to that's why we're doing this and that's why we won't bow down because, you know, we're here and you know, this is bullshit of any stripe i will always rally against and this whole idea i think things like this woke culture of virtue signaling hurts any real progressive movement because and that's and that's happened before i mean like feminism had as a movement had such a great head of steam and you had all these pro-sexual revolution things going on and then all of a sudden you get all these very anti-sex feminists who are extreme and that's what of course the media which yeah male dominated focuses on to discredit it and make everybody every woman that's a feminist look like a nutter and but that's not the case like you know the reason i actually oh go ahead oh sorry no no you go on no 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 no, 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 carry on. <laughs> We're so polite. I love it. Well, just, it's always been funny to me because the things that I've, I glommed to as a, as a young, as a young girl that I connected with, I didn't connect with female representation. I hated Barbies. I didn't play with dolls, but through like, whether it was seeing like Mae West or Clara Bow when I was little, or when I got older, I got an occult film and sexploitation and much later on golden erotica. I'm like, these are powerful women. These are strong women. And, and so it's always funny to me that so many people, including, you know, these sort of woke feminists, or whatever, go after these, these films. Cause I'm like, shit, this is the stuff that empowers me as a woman. I think there is a lot of talking about the mainstream media and, and you talking about it. So it is very male dominated. Uh, there is also that element that women tend to be pitched against one another in competition. Like there, there seems to be in some sectors, you know, there can be only one woman, <laughs> and uh, We're like you know that woman could be the queen. <laughs> you know, there can be twenty five men, and they can all be kings, and that's fine. But there can only be one woman, and it creates this this culture. This that's almost driven by anxiety and fear, and so. Again, I don't want to stereotype and I don't want to necessarily generalise, but but you do find a lot of competition from other women, I think. Not because of the women themselves, I'm not going to say they're bad people, but because culture kind of generates this fear and this paranoia and, and pits women up against one another. Um, and you and again, you don't generally see that being done to men. It was like when the Anne Spider Baby arose through the ranks, you know, it was like she was queen of all, you know, and all of a sudden no other woman could have a voice because she dominated everything, you know, and anybody who questioned that was said they were jealous and, you know, and so it does create this, like, culture. So I'm not blaming women for being perhaps competitive or, you know, but you do find that it's more fear driven, I think, whereas men can kind of kick back and relax a bit more. I know they have their own competition, but 
there's a lot more room for men. Is is you know there's a lot more room for them, whereas women tend to be taken in isolation. Which is why I've always thought it's good that we team up in a coven because that makes us more scary <laughs> and more powerful, you know, to have a coven. But, yeah, there is a lot of that, a lot of competitiveness, I think, just driven by this this fear of wanting to be accepted in an environment that it is very difficult to be accepted in. When I first started writing my blog, I never had a name on there and I didn't really use social media very much and I you know didn't have any film people on my Facebook or or whatever Uh, so people would come across me via my blog and because of the type of films that I wrote about and the way that I wrote about them in a celebrational way everyone used to think I was a dude and I never got the shit that I get now even though I was a terrible writer then and then all of a sudden it was like oh my god you're a woman <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh see I always I got into like film I always you know obviously I've always read about film and I'd write about film casually but when I was I was kind of encouraged uh by Keith Crocker who had a zine called Exploitation uh, nation and he actually was like would you write something for me and so I did and then I started my blog and I wrote for other places like cold cuts and uh, I did I worked for a zine called fish taco I've, I, I've, I've I've done it all like and, <laughs> and so I always I've always been pretty much you know identified as as female uh, which makes me sound like some kind of science experiment alien species or something <laughs> but uh we have found the female um and but i was i was i was lucky in the beginning to have people like keith who i'm still friends with to this day and it's funny because keith I, I find that people because keith is awesome he has a great heart and he's very outspoken and deemed offensive by a lot of people over the years but i find that like some of the best men I've worked for and worked with were usually the ones that were very outre <laughs> and very like, like Heather, how could you be friends with this person? But, but they were the ones that, that actually, because they were no bullshit, didn't have any issues with women. You know, yeah. like they weren't trying to bend over backwards and see, look at me, I'm a great feminist. You know, they were more just like, Hey, that's a good article. Let's do it. You know? Yeah. And... I mean, I see, I find that even as infuriating if somebody, you know, is trying to prove what a feminist they are or some guy is trying to prove what a feminist he is by giving you an opportunity. You know, that's almost as bad as the guy who's ripping your work to shreds and editing because he's like, what does this woman know? It's just as fucking patronising to have that because I would like to get to a stage where we can be beyond that and we're just writers. You know, I don't want to be female writer, woman writer, you know, this person um you know is a woman and we have a woman here and it's it's ridiculous so it can be just as sexist i was trying to explain this to someone earlier actually how you can be sexist like without intentionally being sex like it can happen if you are solely viewing a woman as a woman and everything that she does and everything that she says in this kind of I guess, objectified, very two-dimensional way. Uh, You know, that can be inherently sexist, you know, even if you think it's coming from a good place. 
it can be damaging. And I think a lot of guys, you know, you will point this out and say, oh, I find that, you know, but and they will take it and, go, and say, oh, actually, now you've said, you're right, you <laughs> know. And that's all it takes. And then we move on. Someone's learned something and we move along. But there's always that one guy who will get really angry if you say that to him. Yeah. I love women. I'm a feminist. So look I at me. Get, I'm I the had king of women. That, <laughs> I had that when that guy was trying to kind of mansplain my sexist experiences yeah. to me. And I love women, but I've always supported women. Well, no, actually, you haven't. Uh you know, you love women, but you love women in a, in a way that's very much to do with how attracted you are to them. That's right. You love and, titties. And, and there's, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. I love titties, That too. isn't, you like, know, what we're talking about no. here. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's, you know, you you put that and nailed that so perfectly. Because I think, for me, that's all, all I ever want and have ever wanted was just to be, you know just to be a good writer and to connect with people because I mean, as I'm, I'm a proud feminist, obviously that's why we're doing this episode, but you know, for me, I'm a writer before I'm anything else, you know, and that transcends any sort of boundary or box. I don't even know what a woman's supposed to feel like. All I can ever know is what I feel like. And I'm a Heather and you're a cat, you know, we're people just treat people like people just treat, you know, uh, it, when we meet somebody or somebody writes to us, um, we're not immediately like, oh, penis bearer, you know? <laughs> it's like, no, we, we see how they're, we see, we, we see their actions and how they approach. And most people are cool as hell. Like, we have been so lucky and have connected with so many just cool supporters and readers and people through social um, of, of all genders, of all backgrounds. And we love all of you. You know, it's just the, the handful of bros. It's always that one, those handful of bad apples that got to just be like, you got to stink it up for everybody else. <laughs> I got another question then, because this is, this is a similar, like ties into what we're talking about from Jesse Rowe. Oh, yes. So he said, I think it'd be interesting to talk about the differences of who gets to create what. For example, I read an interview in Rumorg with Julia Durkenau, the writer-director of Raw, where she said, paraphrasing, that any artist, no matter the gender, can tell any story as long as they have empathy. And then I read, possibly in the same issue, an interview with Natalia Late, the director of MFA, who said she thinks that women should be telling women's stories while emphasising that women are likely to tell their own stories better. And um, so, I mean, what do you think about this, Heather? Oh, um, that's a good question. I actually, I, I respect where she's coming from. And I agree with the, I would say probably the root of it. Um, but I, I think as an artist and as a, like, especially with writers, like prose and with screenwriting, you have to write what you have to write. And sometimes a character that you connect with is going to be somebody who's a different gender than you and 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 it's not like you at all because who wants to marry sue shit like i don't want to write about it like look it's me you know I, everybody hates reading it prose where you can tell it's literally just a thinly veiled person that's the writer you know i mean fan fiction you see that a lot in, in fan fiction um i mean and there's exceptions to everything um i mean but i see what she's saying because yeah there, there could be a problem if somebody's like if it's if it's not they're not connecting with the character as a flawed 
layered character more as like, here's my token woman, you know, or here's my token man, or here's my token minority or whatever, you know, um, I can see where that's a problem, but I'm not a fan of the school of fiction where you write what you know, because what if you're into horror? What if you're into fantastical situations? I mean, I don't know what it's like to be a vampire queen that has taken over the entire planet and lives in a fucking castle that's like that's got music piped in by Lemmy and Hawkwinds. I want to know that. I would love to know that. I would love to write that what I know with that, but I don't. So, but I don't know. I mean, what do you what did, what was your take on it? I agree with you. I don't think you know, I mean, I mentioned Mary Shelley earlier. Frankenstein is written from a male perspective. Um, you know, I think it can be interesting to write a different gender or a different, you know, I don't think art should have those limitations. It's like you said, if you if that character speaks to you and says something to you, that's your character. It shouldn't have, I know they were recently having a massive go at Stephen King for not having a, lot of diversity in his novels but then again you know if he did that then that would be wrong because he's not a person of color or he's not a woman you know so it's like rocking a hard place personally I really enjoy a lot of Stephen King's classics because he talks about a very specific blue collar working class American uh, white sort of experience that's full of Americana and it's just a very and it's his world that's what he writes about, and it comes through so vividly. So, you know, that's what he does. Uh, you know, other people are writing other experiences. So I I agree with the first lady who says, you know, you shouldn't be bound. Uh, she recently did a commentary for a film called Hagasusa, which is all about women's experience, um, and that's directed by a man. And it was incredible to read because it just had so much resonance and context for women. Incredibly intuitive. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a, a woman writing a woman. I do think that, though, that obviously we need to hear more stories. And obviously some women have their stories to tell. And those stories can be very unique and they can enrich, if we're talking about horror films specifically, you know, they can really enrich the genre. And we've seen that all the way down the line, back to people like Mary Shelley, Shirley Jackson, talking of Stephen King, heavily influenced by Shirley Jackson. So, you know, uh, women do need to be there and they do need that opportunity. But I don't think we should open the door to just have, oh, let's just have, you know, we've had all men, let's have all women. I don't think it should no. ever be about that. And it seems to be like that. It goes back to what you were saying, tokenism. That, to me, feels as unequal as, you know, the situation that we have now. You know, the true equality should mean equality. You know, everybody on that level playing field. No, you know, I don't want to be up there, above. You know, and just say, all oh, these men have had the opportunities. Now I think we should have them by virtue because uh, the men have had them. Now we should. Have. No, it shouldn't go on that. It should actually purely go on how interesting a story is. And men can often write very, very interesting women. Sometimes they suck at writing women. Read the one of my favorite Twitter accounts, men writing women. <laughs> Good God, some of the stuff they trigger. And this is big, best-selling uh, writers. You know, lots of men who seem to 
bright female characters who are always examining their own breasts or, <laughs> you know, running down the stairs and noting their, noticing their boots. And these are like serious authors. They, they, post, they find all this stuff and they post it up. It's great. Um. So, you know, not always good. So it's like you said, it's about the truth of that character and how attached they are to that character and how truthful and authentic that character feels. You know, Stephen King, you know, talking about, you know, people going, you need more diversity, wrote Carrie, for fuck's sake. You know, and that's an incredible novel about, moving aside all the kind of horror tropes, about coming of age, about being bullied, about, you know, written from a female point of view. Well, that's so, to say, yeah, he's had a lot of strong women in his... Because I, I was raised by a strong woman who, to this day, reads Stephen King religiously, has all the first editions, you know. Um, you know, but also... I mean, the like, women in Stephen- these books... The women in these books feel incredibly authentic. Um, I think they were talking more about colour, uh, race, ethnicity and stuff. They needed to have more of that. But he tends to focus on these these very specific communities disney in america that wouldn't necessarily have a lot of diversity well Uh, and they have to be authentic it has to be real well also i mean he's stephen king do they expect him to write roots i mean (laughs) you know know. it's like why why? you know it's it's insane i don't think we should you know or if he did want to write roots then you know as long as it was properly researched and you know not being a dickhead about it you know if it was something that resonated why not right i think i think you i think you pointing that out you just made another great point and i think to me one of the biggest issues with sort of quote-unquote woke culture is that you artists and creative people are put in positions where you can't you nobody can win it's like stephen king can't win and it's you know and everybody's like oh he's cancelled well no he's not he's gonna keep writing <laughs> yeah and like he's gonna harm gonna Stephen King yeah <laughs> but also it's it, like I mean if you if all the only artists you're ever gonna love are people that perfectly fit every and check off every box on political correctness you're that's gonna be a lonely list I mean some of my favorite artists that whose art resonate deeply with me were incredibly complicated people some of whom i would not let babysit if i had kids you know but but their art i mean that's the thing is that i think it it's telling of the complexity of being human that sometimes people that have done something horrible can make something beautiful that's that's the truth of humanity but i think a lot of people want things simplified they want a simplistic worldview that is just not it's not real it's not it's not truth you know it's a difficult line because we do need uh, more opportunities for women. Uh, it needs to be more comfortable for women to write in genre. You know, we need to get rid of the double standards. We need to get rid of the the harsher judgment. We need to make it, you know, more, just more uh, welcoming. Because I've never felt like I literally just got in and I know it's been the same for you and just booted down every door it no one opened it for me so I was just gonna get in there regardless so it'd be nice to see the doors I always try and open doors after me though that's the thing and then I got blamed for letting all these women onto a hammer dvd because I came first and then I was like I know all these other women and then all of a sudden all these other women were infiltrating the hammer dvds and uh 
that was my fault. So I'm not taking it back. But hell, hell no. No, that's... I, 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 the same thing. I don't think that we should just be saying, well, we'll have women to do that, uh, you know, just because they're women. It should purely go on talent. And we don't have that at the moment because we do have... This isn't directed at anyone, but we do have a lot of mediocre white straight men cruising along, you know, in, you know, the the best paid gigs at some of the biggest institutions, you know, time and time again, they get work at time and time again, and they're just totally indistinguishable from one another. You pick up a essay or a pamphlet, a booklet or whatever, and you're just like, who is this? You know, they... That needs to go. That that needs to needs to end, but not at the the cost of going the other way and having a load of mediocre women either. It shouldn't be about that. It's it's such a difficult line, and I think we're in an exciting time because these conversations are being had and things are slowly changing. And obviously, that's why we're getting this certain group of very right wing elder statesmen men with their little MAGA hats getting so upset because they can see that the world is changing around them um on the other end of the spectrum we have those some of the woke stuff is just going too far it just seems to be like cancer well we've been ne- left with nothing at the end for fuck's sake oh god uh, you- but <laughs> somewhere in the middle there's a there is reasonable conversation going on and there is progress being made but i so I think we were at a very exciting crossroads where it, because it's changed, like in the year, like I've only been in this for several years. It's changed in the time that I started. Oh, same. You know, yeah. It is changing and that's good to see, uh, you know, and I think it will continue to change no matter how angry these dudes get. It is, you know, it's like, tough shit. It is going to change and you're just going to have to live with it. But, uh you know, so it'd be interesting to see where it goes, but but not enough. It just hasn't changed. It just hasn't changed enough yet. No, but that's uh, that's all the more impetus to do to do what we do, and and for all of our fellow sort of misfit elves, our tribes, our <laughs> you know, elves, I love that <laughs> to to do like I you know we're we are both very community minded and, and view just like all of us are in this together and you know that's and that's important you know don't let the bastards get you down like there's a lot of not things... those blokes in tweed they're not they're not in oh no place. no <laughs> they are far outside they are way they're not the heathens at the gate they're way away from the gate <laughs> but um they're the gatekeepers actually so that's why we're at the gate because we're gonna break the gate down but um but yeah it, it's like we are all in this together and it's like you know especially any young writers listening to this like don't if you love what you do and you believe in it you know don't give up like if you want to make it as a writer or any sort of creative person just keep fucking doing it you know you're going to deal with bullshit we all do everybody deals with bullshit in life and with writing there's a lot of it you know but that's okay because you know what that's why we got to make changes don't accept bullshit for being normal if somebody's abusive somebody's being a dick fucking know that ain't on you that's let them look like an asshole you're gonna keep being you and doing great work and kicking that ass and we're right there with you cheering you on before we round up we've got one question here that's kind of fun 
and, I, and I, so I thought we could answer this one because we did want to talk just a little bit about our kind of icons. What are your favourite female-driven films that make you feel empowered and heard? And what do you, and why do the way those are written specifically speak in a manner that makes them stand out from the rest? Oh, ooh, I think you should take this one first because I want to think. Oh, oh, throw me in. Um, with me, with me, it's not really to do with how things are, are written. It's more to do with uh, a persona and a spirit, the, the things that I tend to respond to. So, um, you know, kind of more like female icons than any particular film, but the films that speak to me are these films that you can, and they're often films that these woke feminists don't like because of the sex content. But I tend to really respond to things that are genuinely sexually empowering for women because I think one of the ways in which we, we repress and oppress women traditionally, and weirdly the radical feminists also do this, is to rob them of their sexuality. So for the radical feminist, women are victims of male predators and sex is bad and, and pornography is exploitative and blah, we should get that out. And for the, the right-wingers, sex is about marriage and it's to do with being with a man and it's for a man's... So I see no difference on either side. Uh, to own your sexuality as a woman and to be completely free from shame is an incredibly powerful thing to have because that's how we keep women in line. We shame them. We make them feel ashamed for their sexuality. And it's something that my entire adult life I've had to deal with, you know, from having five children to different fathers, from being a promiscuous teenager, from all these things, is something that I've had to deal with. And I figured out very early on that, you know, Shame, I wasn't going to carry any shame because men don't have to carry shame. You know, men can go around, they can fuck whoever they want and they're actually lauded for it, celebrated. And it's we still have that fucking double standard now. So the films that really speak to me are the films where I see a very strong presence of female sexuality. If we're talking specifically... Genre, I'm talking about things like Faster Pussycat, Kill Kill, Tourist Satana. Yes. Especially uh, people like Pam Greer. Oh. You know, absolute fucking legends. Mako Kaji, uh, Lena Rome is another one. Uh, you know, all these very iconic women who, on one hand, and ironically, most of those films were made by men. Uh, the work of Jean Roland. And most of Jess Franco's work, you know, they were made by men. And there's the argument, well, they were made, you know, for the male gaze, for the male audiences, you know, uh, and they were they were made commercially, you know, for men to look at. And, you know, there is that. Yeah, they were there to make money. But the side effect is that it's to do with the actresses more than the writing. It's to do with that presence that they bring with them, you know, these were women that just didn't give a fuck and they really owned their sexuality. Ingrid Pitt was another one. Lena Rome, definitely Tura Satana. You know, these, as I was growing up, these were the women that I responded to 
more than obviously I loved Ripley from Alien and you know the more action hero women but the ones that really resonated with me were the sexual ones the ones that were you know so strong in their sense of sexual power uh and that's something that doesn't really come from the films themselves I think it has to be within the actress like Lena Romay was completely uninhibited she had a wonderful relationship with Jess he directed her in so many films, and that comes through. It wasn't just his camera looking at her. She was also controlling that gaze. You know, she was in control. So that is what really speaks to me more than any singular film. Barocek does it as well. It's in a lot of Russ Meyer's films. And when you say to people like Russ Meyer, you know, so many feminist characters, they're just like, what the fuck planet are you on? You know, especially if they're these woke feminists. Think, you know, Russ Meyer is just this horrible, pervy old man. But yet he had these very, very strong, very sexual women who own that because it's like the biggest fuck you to society. It's like the biggest fuck you to, to patriarchy in the state. And I'm not saying all women, you know, to feel powerful have to go around and have lots of sex. I'm not I'm not saying that. But to know your sexuality, whether that's uh, you don't want too much sex or you want loads of sex, you know, to own that and for it to be yours. Uh, because, you know, the other thing is women who don't want a lot of sex, they're, they're usually condemned as frigid. So, so, like, they can't ever win. Always judging women's sexuality. So for women to own that, I think that is the most powerful thing. That is the thing that I most res respond to. And... Unfortunately, I don't see it in a lot of modern films, and I constantly look for it. I do see it in uh, some Asian films, some European films, but I'm not seeing an awful lot of it. I think because of this woke culture, things seem to have closed down, and you know, people are, I guess, a little bit too scared to go into the more sexual territory. So, yeah, it's it's definitely that rather than someone's script you know a script can be as whimsical and as weird as you want as long as you've got someone in there like Ingrid Pitt or Taurus Satana I don't actually really give a shit about the script I could watch <laughs> Taurus Satana just walking around in a desert yeah giving one line at, like I wouldn't give a shit what she was doing basically it would be the best thing ever so so yeah that's my my answer <laughs> don't right. rant Oh, no, it's beautiful. And I mean, unsurprisingly, you know, I share pretty much the same, like, response, because, you know, to me, you know, kind of like what I mentioned earlier, especially, if, you know, I hit my teens and just and discovering, like, kind of ex exploitation films and, and, you know, later on, like, a, like the classic era of its alt film, it's like, to me, it was like, oh, wow, like, this is so cool. Here's a landscape where there's so many strong female characters and strong women and who are owning their sexuality. They're in charge of their sexuality. Because I was always more of a Jane Mansfield girl than a Marilyn Monroe girl. And, like, Marilyn Monroe was great. But I always find that people's response to Marilyn's image is always a little creepy. Because it's always like, oh, she's got this childlike innocence and you want to protect her. Or Jane Mansfield and, and Mamie Van Doren, too. I love Mamie. We're just these fucking, they're out there. These are women. These are not little coquettish girls. These are fucking women. And, you know, putting themselves out there. And that became even more so when I discovered Russ Meyer. I mean, anybody that wants to criticize Meyer for being anti-woman is, is a fool. 
And also, come on, I mean, the biggest boobs in any Russ Meyer film are the male characters, not the actual breasts yes. of the women. <laughs> he, he clearly loves his females characters and women and and that more way more than the men and um and he would often expose these like double standards as well and this hypocrisy i mean russ is a person you know he was scoffed at being called a feminist oh i think in in innately he had like a he just had a, a certain respect for women and what they went through and you know, that comes out in, in some of his films, like the double standards, the slut shaming, you know, the very strong, powerful women. Yeah. And I just, I love Russ. And and I think that's the thing, too, is also, like, there's so many women, as much as um, it's, a, it's a popular sort of storyline to apply to uh, any woman that exp- uh, is tied with her work with her sexuality and that includes sex workers and strippers all the way to women that have acted in erotica and adult films where everybody's like oh they're a victim they're a victim they're exploited and you know which that is also sexist because you're just assuming all women are, are victims it's like no a lot of these women are grown women who this is what they want to do i mean especially in the 70s you had such a diverse amount of women like one of and one of whom some of some of them I've actually been lucky enough to actually get to know in real life, and they are some of the coolest, smartest, nicest, uh, most intelligent women uh, uh, you could ever meet. Like these are not victims. Like these are just, and these women are my heroes. And that's women like Jodie Maxwell and Jean Silver, Gloria Leonard, um, you know Annette Hines. Like there's so many of these women. Lisa Deleu. Like Lisa Deleu was this brassy, just big breasted redhead brassy take charge woman i even heard an interview with her where she was taking charge on the set like jamie gillis i love jamie (laughs) but jamie tried to like do something with her and she immediately was like if you do if you ever push those boundaries again you're going to be missing a part of your body dude you know like basically (laughs) and and they they got a lot great after that like that's the thing these are strong women and I think to, to people just to be like, oh, it's sexist. It's no, you're sexist. You know, I mean, especially because a lot of these people haven't even watched these movies. You watch a Radley Metzger film, that man, like Russ, even though they're two completely different filmmakers that I love deeply. Lo- again, he loves women, and it's not in some creepy way. Because I've seen some bad student art films where it was obviously just some guy wanting a wank, but he tried to make it arty, and that shit's bad. Okay, and I'm not gonna mention any names, but. Uh, uh, but to me, there's a difference because guys like Russ can make it art. Yeah. I mean, did he love big titties? Yes, he loved big titties. Of course he did. Like, but but he it's art. Like some of the best editing you're ever going to see in a movie is in a Russ Meyer movie. And that's just the, the gospel. With, the same with Metzger, because we did our episodes on Metzger. You know, Metzger's films are quite often about women's pleasure. And, you, and we discussed that on our episodes about Metzger. Another one is just very kind of pro-women you see these very very strong women appear and it's all about that sexuality you know seeing women is is victims it is this again it takes away the the power that they have because like literally everybody seems to be scared of that sexuality it's like you know don't be too sexual because men might look at you in the wrong way 
And, you know, it's dangerous to be like that and you shouldn't be like that. Or, you know, on the other side of the, the coin, don't be a slut, you know, because you're just going to ruin your whole life. And we still continuously, and it comes from men, and like women can be the worst slut shamers, honestly. Oh, true. It's like, don't do it. You know, where's the sisterhood? They can literally be the worst slut shamers. But it, it comes from this very sexist, very patriarchal. I did have got one guy write in to tell me not to use the word patriarchal on the show because I'm better than that. So I've got to get it in <laughs> these ones. But it does come from this very patriarchal way of thinking of how women should be you know and then women other women act as agents for that and go oh yeah you shouldn't do that you know because you know you shouldn't wear a skirt that short or you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do you know how about you stop telling women what they should or shouldn't do yeah and just accept you know as adults some of us are uh, uh, sexual people and we should be able to own that you know not it shouldn't just be about the men and if you don't want to have sex that's fine that shouldn't be a problem either you know but we do, we do just, we just judge women on their sexuality from so many angles. Or either frigid, or they're a slut, or they're, the, you know, you can't do anything right unless you are literally just there as a puppet for, you know, whatever man you're with, doing what he sees as acceptable. Yeah. Well, the fallacies, God, the eight billion fallacies with that kind of, you know, slut shaming too, is that, you know, they're, you know, be like, oh, don't dress this and wear accident where you'll get, you know, sexually assaulted. Well, I mean, there are people that get sexually assaulted when they're kids. Like, what the fuck is a kid doing to deserve that? Nothing. You know, it doesn't matter. Well, no, pe- like, people tell- get raped when they're, you know, 80 year old women, you know, walking down to get their newspaper in a dressing gown get raped. You know? Yeah. <laughs> It's literally like nothing to do with, you know, it's about power. It's nothing to do with sexual attraction. Yeah, but also maybe tell, maybe instead of worrying less about what women are doing, worry more about why are people raping? Like, why are, you know, like, worry more, more about the people that are abusive and, and less about the women. Like, let just let people be, let people dress how they want and don't be an asshole. But it's the only, literally, I know we're going off on a bit of a tangent, but it's literally like one of the only crimes where the victim is actually blamed. If somebody's house is burgled, you don't, the police don't come round and go, hey, your curtains are a bit thin. You know, this <laughs> right. is your fault. You should have kept your curtains shut 24 hours a day. And why haven't you got, you know, they don't do that. They treat it as a fucking crime. Yeah. And, you know, so it, it infects everything. And I think that's why. Seeing sexuality, you know, some of my biggest icons outside of genre are Marlena Dietrich, you know. Oh, I love her. Fucking, oh my God. Uh, Joan Crawford, Betty Davis. Yes. You know, perhaps my my favourite. And Joan, Joan, Joan could be manipulative and she did, she did kind of do things that she didn't really want to do to get ahead. Uh, whereas Betty Davis, she didn't give a fuck. Like if Betty Davis didn't want to do anything, she would. She just wouldn't do it. You know, she they could suspend you then for not taking on a role. But Betty was too clever for that. She'd go off sick or whatever. She'd hold the production up. She could just be a major pain in the ass. And she did so many uh, roles that the, the studios didn't think were commercial. And she just, I think she is fucking incredible. So outside of genre it's that it's that that i respond to especially within the studio system where a lot of female stars were just kind of like you said marilyn monroe i actually like quite a few marilyn monroe films oh same yeah um 
but she, like as a persona, she was a total kind of invention uh, that people just tend to put meanings on. Yeah. Whereas Jane Mansfield, you know, Jane Mansfield was, she had more of an edge, she was more of her own person. Whereas Marilyn was presented as a kind of a blank slate for people to, you know, but because that's how movie stars really work. So to to actually stand out in that is is no mean feat. And so you get people like Marlena or or Betty Davis or Joan Crawford, who did kind of take on the studio system and did manage to to have a put in there. Barbara Stanwyck's another one that I absolutely oh, love. Oh God, yes. Um, you know, there's just, you know, that's what I respond to. Rather than somebody coming along and writing a script, I'm going to write a script about female empowerment. That that usually turns me off, really, if it's too... If it's happened organically and I and I read it, and one of the most empowering films, I think, actually, just thinking of films specifically, is The Company of Wolves. Oh, I love that movie. It's it's written about Angela Carter, and even though it's not a salacious film, it's all about it's all about what we're talking about. So as a young girl, you're told to beware of the beast and never stray from the path. So don't be curious, don't wander off, don't have adventures, and don't embrace the beast. The beast is dangerous. You know, as a woman, you're not allowed to unleash the beast. You know, we're not supposed to be aggressive. We're not supposed to be sexual. And so Little Red Riding Hood becomes this big metaphor for all of that, how young women are supposed to behave. And Angela Carter took those traditional fairy tales, tales of Charles Perrault, and she rewrote them for the Bloody Chamber in 1979 as short stories with feminist connotations. But they're also beautiful and they're whimsical and there's lots of magical realism and they're just so, yeah, God, they're just so beautiful. But... But because of a collection of his stories, that became, with Neil Jordan, so a male director, oh, my God, <laughs> uh, <laughs> became The Company of Wolves, which was based on a story called that and a radio play called that and several of other wolf-based stories. So there's, like, literally no sex in that film, as in they, they talk about sex all the time, but there's, like, no tits, there's no... Uh, but it's perfect because it's all about a young woman embracing the the beast you know straying from the path and in, having her adventure and then embracing and conquering the beast and then becoming the beast because that's like literally the most fucking transgressive thing you can do as a woman is to to let the beast in and to become the beast we're just not allowed to do that so i i'd probably say that i'd probably say that is the most resonant film to me oh i love that it's that's see that I'm having like such a hard time thinking of one specific film because it's almost like yeah, I'm just getting hard. like like a flush of images. Um, I will say another actress that in anything she ever graced it inherently influences me to, or you know does that because of her presence is Susan Tyrell because Susan Tyrell was such a force of nature in real life and as an actress and just by her being there, I'm immediately like, I want to be this woman. I want to be friends with her. I want to rob a bank with her. I want to form an all-female biker <laughs> gang with her. I want to fucking do shots of whiskey with her and yell at some busboys, but in a nice way because I have manners. And, yeah. like I love I, that. I, I, I yell at some busboys, but politely. 
Well, I, I am, yeah, I am a lady after all, but, uh, but, but I, I love Susan Tyrell. I love, I, I think that's a, kind of the cool theme with all of our female heroes is that there's this sort of kicking against the pricks sort of thing. There's this like anti-status quo and I, I love that. Like I've always been very fascinated with the whole, um, and I'll keep this short, but cause we could go on and on this, but the whole like Aleister Crowley and, uh, concept of the Scarlet Woman and like anybody that's kind of I even did a piece about some of my favorite Scarlet Women in history for um for actually one of Kate Hutchinson's scenes because uh, I just I love that because it's sort of celebrating all the things about women that were kind of encouraged not to be or to nurture within ourselves and instead it's just we're breaking out the robes and you know being these lush crimson creatures of of you know of strength of passion of wantonness um and also of just sticking sticking to who you are as a person not just as a woman but just as an individual i think it's i, I think to sum up i think it's any woman that would have been burnt at the stake under the manius maleficarum which we certainly would have been some of the first to go Oh God! Are you kidding? They would be—they'd be coming for us right now. They'd be like these, these Jezebels, <laughs> the hell's Jezebels. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, I'm. Yeah, this is. Um, I hope we've given everybody some good food for thought, and at the very least, kind of, if you're somebody who's been in this process, giving you a sense of feeling like, hey, I know, I know, I'm not alone. Um, if you're somebody who's kind of been mystified by it, maybe hopefully we've given you some epiphanies and understandings. And uh, at the very least, you know, we've encouraged you to seek out, uh, you know, all films with Marlena Dietrich and Betty Davis and in a company of wolves and Russ Meyer and all these great things. So, you know, you're welcome. <laughs> Come on and try.